SequelCast 2 is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. Move towards the computer complex, but be wary. We're relatively certain that a series of rebel bunkers rests between the landing zone and your target. It will be difficult to reach the complex without suffering casualties. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your hosts have asked that I inform you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast 2, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one movie at a time. However, this time we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about bad Star Wars video games with a special guest who not only is a comedian, you might have heard his album's Nightmare Fuel Crime Travel in 28 Years Later. He's also the co-host of the x Net podcast with Alex Kane and the co-author of Postal from Boss Fight Books with Nathan Rabin. And he recently also wrote a book called Film Apocalypse: 52 Cinematic Visions of the End. If you haven't heard about him after all that, perhaps you've uh, read some articles he's written for publications like Playboy, Vice, Paste, and Rock Paper Shotgun. My guest is Brock Wilbur. Welcome to Sequel Cast 2. Oh my god, thank you guys so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, of course with me, with me I have my co-host Thrasher. It's a big a boom bad podcast today. It sounds like you're being racist but also drinking whiskey, so it sounds like I'm on the right show. <laughs> well, I, I'm Irish, so it cancels, it cancels itself out. Oh, okay. Well, good. Then we're fine then. You know, yeah, you the the ice was from my glass, and it was it, oh wow, they just uh, whisk, lined uh, up uh, over each other. <laughs> I think so. Yes, good timing. If, if uh, every whiskey... character from episode one just had like ice clinking underneath them, it would have been <laughs> a, a better like Star Wars movie. <laughs> I think so. You know, the best thing is me, I, I and then there's just about... like clink, 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 yeah. and you're like, okay, well, at least everyone here was drunk, uh, and so that's, hey, that's Andy, fine. you want me to uh, top that off for you? <laughs> oh, little Annie, uh, fill up my snifter. Yeah. Oh um, my God, that's actually really good. I buy that one. That's a good line. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? The prequels, the single best uh, thing I ever heard anyone say about them was a buddy of mine in college. We were talking about Star Wars uh, Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Just came out on DVD, so everyone had that. And uh, all of my friends did, at least. And he said, you know, I finally found out what makes the movie good. You put it on Spanish and then put on English subtitles, and it's like you're watching a crappy anime. Or like a telenovela. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I, I buy the, tele, the, the telenovela version I like better, where it's just <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, in, in a slight translation, some of this is compelling. <laughs> yeah, it... Gee, you know, I mean, the, the <laughs> movies are obviously its its own topic, and uh, you Thrasher starting off with Boss Nass uh, reminded me of a, an interview I found on YouTube uh, with uh, Brian Blessed, who who was the voice of Boss Nass and uh, has you know done a gazillion movies like Flash Gordon and stuff over the years. And he said even at the time he was doing his lines, he heard some Jar Jar Binks dialogue and told George Lucas they would need to re-record all that. And he had, like, a very technical British answer as to why Jar Jar is not funny. And it has to do with the emphasis on the syllables and the pitch at which he speaks. Um, and he, he's actually right, but 
we don't do things quite so erudite uh, here on Sequel Cast 2. We are going to be talking do, about Star Wars. Do you remember Wars. his answer? Because now I'm fascinated. Um, yeah, it had to do something with, with normal speech. You have rhythms and pauses. And uh, with Jar Jar Binks, I think it, it was this consistent, like, da 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 like, Oh, the, the, the like, musical quality of how he Yes, the musical line. quality, okay. yeah, of, uh, of the speech. It's like a little kid hitting the same note in the xylophone over and over again. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it, um, you'll, have to, I'll have to send you the, the clip. I'll, I'll look it up. But, but Brian Blessed is is a treasure. Uh, I, I like that that's his recent... thing. It's not like, oh, it sounds yeah. like you're doing like some sort of like blackface thing. It's like, actually, technically, the, the melodic scale of what you're using <laughs> as a British person, that's what I recognize first as being perhaps the issue here. <laughs> And he was probably definitely right in that assessment as well. But, like, there were other more obvious things. Sure. And, I mean, of course, he did all that Shakespearean theater, as a lot of actors of his generation did. And uh, right. I, I was somewhat shocked to see him in this 1970s uh, classic BBC miniseries, I, Claudius, as, uh-huh. as one of the Roman emperors or something. But he's just as... as gregarious and booming and unsubtle as, as he tends to be in his parts. Um, as as but, somebody that uh, spent uh, multiple years on a, uh, a Doctor Who podcast that started from episode one uh, and tried to move forward from there, um, the number of like really cool British actors that I've seen over the years via the BBC that are just like, oh wow, they really, um, maybe as one of their first roles or sometimes in the middle of their careers, just uh, showed up to do like the dumbest, worst fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. It's uh, it's truly incredible what the BBC can get people to do. <laughs> you, know, you you mentioned that uh, when I was in uh, when I was a young Doctor Who fan, this book came out that was like a complete guide to Daleks, and including it had printed in it the full credits for every Dalek episode that at that point existed, uh-huh. and. That, that was something I would do to amuse myself, was to go through those credits and find out who from Are You Being Served had met a Dalek. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> John Inman didn't. Mr. Humphreys didn't, but like old Mr. Grace, young Mr. Grace, and Mr. Rumpole did. Perfect. That's, uh, that's just amazing. Also amazing is, is Star Wars. And uh, Brock, I have to ask you... Uh, Number one, which of the movies was the first one you watched? And number two, what was the first Star Wars video game you played? Oh, so um, the uh, the intro to my uh, the podcast uh, X Wing in it is is basically this mm-hmm. line in that um, uh, as most people know, uh, Disney took over Star Wars, uh, and when they did so, they nuked the entire like backstory universe that had been this whole sort of canon. They're like, no, it's like. These couple of movies, a couple of these things, everything else is gone, which uh, is devastating to the team that uh, spent like two decades working in like this division that was keeping all the books straight and all the games and like keeping this sort of canon thing going. Uh, so growing up, I was a, a Star Trek kid uh, and I did not watch the Star Wars movies, but I did via video games experience the Star Wars stuff. So... Like the Rogue Squadron games and Dark Forces and stuff. Mm. That was my entrance into the Star Wars universe. So there were parts of Star Wars 
Like, I think it must have been, like, late high school that I finally, like, sat down and watched those. But it was, like, fourth and fifth grade that I started playing Star Wars video games. And so a lot of them set me up to expect some things about that universe. And a lot of them set me up to expect things that were not in that universe. Uh, which... <laughs> Which is, is one of those things that, like, um, it's one of the reasons that I started the, the X-Wing in it podcast with my partner uh, was to be like, hey, there's this whole universe of, like, lore that was lost. Uh, and that was sort of my lore universe. Uh, and there's a lot of things there that are interesting and fun that were lost. And, like, uh, overwhelmingly, a lot of them are now being, like, brought back even as, like, slight nods, but some of them in much larger nods. Uh, like a lot of Star Wars solo uh, includes like large chunks and like planets and people that existed in some of like the Shadow of the Empire video game for Nintendo 64. And like I was just watching those movies being like, is everyone else here seeing this? You guys, you guys all <laughs> seeing this thing that I'm seeing because uh, this is a, a, a lunatic thing for me. Uh, so, yeah, it's... um. I, I I did the the Star Wars films in in the proper order, just like way later than anyone did, uh, and so I got to have this different like there's there's few people over the course of history that get to have this multimedia introduction to things before they actually have an introduction to things. Like if I hadn't have been a Star Trek fan, there weren't going to be a bunch of Star Trek games for me in like the '80s to like introduce mm. me to this or something else. Like no one in the '70s was like not reading Dune, but like experiencing Dune through another medium or something like that. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very nineties, eighties, nineties kids experience to be able to be like, well, I got to experience like a multimedia narrative version of all this before I ever experienced the core of what this was supposed to be. And by the time I got there, I had questions and problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, my first star Wars stuff was, was toys we we had a, a puzzle of Jabba the Hutt that was Return of the Jedi and we had a, a board game that was a spinoff of the Ewoks cartoon where you were wicked or different Ewoks collecting fruit in baskets um, but that's the, the first... that's the goddamn dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life oh my yeah. god mm -hmm. how how do you even like Star Wars <laughs> if that's your introduction like I don't know what I learned about Star Wars <laughs> day one was that there were like uh, these? Uh, there's B Bernstein bears, and they uh, they want to have apples. Like I don't know, that's Star Wars to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then I mean, the first kind of Star Wars adjacent movie I ever saw was Spaceballs, which is even more screwed up. So like, I, 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 I did not. A, a really lot of get... people have that, and a lot of people can never yeah. recover from that because, like, once you've seen such incredible jokes about it how do you ever take like Jabba the Hutt seriously he's just pizza like it's it, it, mm -hmm. it it's just genuinely untoppable which like there's nothing else from that point onwards in pop culture that competes with that like there's there's no one that ever saw like meet the Spartans that then couldn't take 300 seriously. Like there's <laughs> nothing else in terms of like, no one ever like went to the Mel Brooks level of satire for a specific IP ever again. So like, we're not, we're not ruining uh, like the maze runner for anyone with some sort of like, just really fucking dead on satire. <laughs> Right, or you had um, the Wayans brothers did, uh, oh, the takeoff of Fifty Shades of Grey called Fifty Shades of Black or something along those lines. 
Like, Actually, that, I'll, I'll give the, the uh, Scary Movie, uh, that series, did yeah, a pretty good job. Because good. in retrospect, there are some parts of like Scary Movie 1 and 2 that I cannot separate from the Scream movies when I'm watching them. I'm like, oh, this is the part where like uh, the dick comes through the urinal. I'm like, hold up. That's not in this one. I have to remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> uh. As far as the first Star Wars video game, I, I remember kind of lusting over pages of Nintendo Power talking about the Nintendo games and later the Super Nintendo games. But yeah. I, I think my first one might have been on my friend's crappy laptop, and it was Yoda Stories. Like, again, I'm introduced to Everyone these things, like, had to do Yoda possible. Stories. Oh, my God. It, it was Yoda Stories remains across the entire, like, history of things, like the lowest bar of things like everything could run Yoda stories. Uh, your, your TI 82 calculator in high school could run Yoda stories. Like everyone had access to Yoda stories. Oh, and it basically was a reskin of Indiana Jones's great, or, you know, like adventure or whatever. Like it's, right. it's the same game. Um, and that the first one is popular left to do it twice. I mean, the whole gimmick is that it could fit on a three and a half uh, inch uh, floppy diskette. Right. So you could play it right off the disc. I don't think you even had to install it to the hard drive, or if you did, it like was only two megabytes. Uh, in fact, Yoda Stories inspired me so much that uh, I think this was maybe even back before LucasArts had a web page or, or something, or there was people that posted from LucasArts on like rec.art.newsgroup.computergames. I, I basically contacted the LucasArts guy off his email and said, like, you should make the, the Yoda Stories level editor. And I would got this big cease and desist letter back. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Oh, my God. No. I wish I still had a copy. It was really funny. How, like, how dare you for asking for, like, a wish list item to get a cease and desist? Mm-hmm. That's insane. <laughs> well, uh, hey, I'm a fan. You. I think Harrison Ford should be in more movies. And then, you, like, the, like, George Lucas personally <laughs> signs off on a cease and desist. Like... Hey, come on! I think we've had enough of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what uh, What you brought up is a is a thing that ties into basically the um, the the first big sort of overall licensing thing, which is that for the the Nintendo Entertainment System and for the Super Nintendo, uh, there were games that tied into the first three Star Wars movies, episodes four, five, and six, uh, and they remain historically. Some of the most difficult, impossibly stupid video games that have ever been made. Like, if you can last more than a minute or two in some of them, like, you might as well just be a god of video games. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> it is it is ridiculous what they made. And it is made by people that were like, I don't know. I think this is what a video game looks like, but refuse to ever play a video game. Like, there was just like, <laughs> we'll make this thing, and then we'll never test it. So, like, I don't know. In our dreams, somebody can play this, but also, like, it comes from that period of time that uh, people were still making things. They're like, this is just designed to get quarters out of somebody, but this was post the quarters period. This was never an arcade game. So it was just something that people had to live with at home and live in, like, a personal hell for. So on the subject of Yoda stories, so something I've got to like point out. So the whole the whole game, it's like a top down perspective. It really does remind me of like early Final Fantasy, but it's called Yoda stories. You don't play Yoda. 
Yoda is incidental to the game. You play Luke Skywalker. Ostensibly, you're playing the training he was doing, like during Empire Strikes Back. But you go all over the Star Wars universe. Like you spend very little time with Yoda. I mean that that's true. And as I recall, Luke Skywalker holds his lightsaber in a kind of phallic manner, like it's a really forced. Uh, no pun intended, um, kind of grip he has on the thing as he's walking around. Like, because everything has to fit perfectly in a grid. Right. Yeah, you're not playing Yoda. You are playing the stories, the titular stories. You are, you are the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and you talk about those Super Nintendo games. Those are quite hard, and... They were published, at least in the United States, by JVC for some reason. Which I mean, JVC like made speakers and stuff, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. In <laughs> televisions, like that, that makes almost no sense. And uh, in, in all of those games, um, especially the, the beginning of Super Return of the Jedi, drove me nuts because you're in your your speeder. It's this crappy Mode Seven stuff that I never thought looked good at the time. Anyway, it's a vehicle right. stage, and you have to avoid the rocks. It's like, yeah, this is why someone buys a Star Wars game. To avoid rocks on a sand planet, it's, it's I'm having flashbacks to the original that, uh, Space Quest. <laughs> yes, it's it, yes, that is it. Yes, you're Roger uh-huh. Wilkoing it. <laughs> right. It. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what it was, and part of it too. Like at the time, they were making video games really difficult on purpose for the rental market to prevent right. kids from beating them in one rental. Did you did you both come up in like the uh, the blockbuster like game rental period before I did. or after you? Yeah, I, I did. I, I believe I rented all of the Super Nintendo Star Wars games. Yeah, I, I did as well. I used to work at a blockbuster video for a little bit, um, so a lot of horror stories there. I worked at blockbuster video specifically when they switched from videotape to DVD, and uh, customers would complain about widescreen so that was fun explaining on the old four three uh, televisions wait sorry people didn't understand what widescreen was that's right yeah well so when dvd first I'm, so when dvd first came out most of them were widescreen only i think mgm had the ones you could flip where one side was full screen one was widescreen but for videotape really the only stuff that was a uh, widescreen might that might have been like woody allen's manhattan or a director's cut of Blade Runner, maybe. Um, but but most of the time, the stuff was full frame. And and the and I mean, I I worked at a blockbuster video in in Georgia, right? So this was in the South. So give it credit or not for that. But people would be like, "This isn't filling up my TV. I don't like this." Or this, <laughs> this movie has subtitles. Filling up my TV. Yeah, it's such a good like <laughs> trademark line. <laughs> yeah, it. I, I, it I took cannot... up twenty percent less on my screen. It should cost twenty percent less to rent it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it, it was about that ridiculous. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, if something had subtitles in it, people would complain. They would just complain about my favorite is uh, so some of those early DVDs you could flip over and, and some of those that were like miniseries. Half of the miniseries was on one side and half oh, was sure. on the other. Uh, specifically you had uh, Langoliers. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of Stephen King, the one I'm thinking of was Stephen King's It. And Absolutely. this uh, around, around Halloween, you know, this this group of college high college kids came in to rent Stephen King's It, 
and they return it just a few hours later. I'm like, wait a second, isn't that like a four-hour show? And they said, you know, we thought it had stuff with the kid and clowns, but uh, instead it was just all adults in a Chinese restaurant, and it was kind of boring. Oh, no. They yeah, watched so, so the they watched like the side. bad half, the second no, half. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so, and so I sort of like slipped the disc like through the system and just had them run out and said like, here, just take this home and watch like the good half. You need to flip it over. Uh, but yeah, it's like I, I do want to have their like... experience of watching the movie where then they watch the first half later. Yeah, like it. Yes, it, it's not yeah. wrong. It's just a different version of it. <laughs> right, and it might even be a better way to watch it. Like with the to, with Star Wars, they what they had this order that was going around online where like you start with Episode One, Hatchet Order, and Episode Two, and then you go four, five, and six, and then end on three. Hatchet order, no. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep. <laughs> uh, I've never tried it that way. I've always thought about it, but it, it's one of those things that, like, um, you you see it for the first time, and and I did eight years ago, and was like, well, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter to me. But it is for I think a lot of my friends that are like, oh, I'm I've got a kid coming up. This is how I'm going to show mm. it to my kid in a way that makes it suck less. And I'm like, in that way. Sure, well, I I get it, and congrats. <laughs> I I would just love, I think, when uh, all nine episodes are out on on home video, or I guess at this point it'd be Disney Plus, right? Mm. Uh, you you could have like a, a random number generator one through nine, and just have it randomly <laughs> pick what order you're going to see the movies in. Well, now you you got the sides as well, so you've got like an RNG to like thirteen plus. You have some TV series stuff and. Sure. The you're you're right. It's a, it's an RNG to like 21 at this point. <laughs> you see, you watch you watch Solo after you watch Episode Four, but you have Rogue One playing in the background while you're watching Episode Six. Yeah, if you can watch two over the top of each other, that's really the uh, you know what Kathleen Kennedy intended. I I, I think so, and and all all hail the the Church of, of Kennedy. Um, whether Kathleen or otherwise. So, Thrasher, I, I have to say, uh, you met, we, before uh, we started recording the show, you mentioned another Yoda game that I'd never heard of before. It was a computer game? Yeah, there, uh, around the time Episode 1 came out, there were a whole bunch of like pseudo-educational kids' activity games yeah. that came out tied, up, tied with it. And I found one called uh, Yoda's Challenge Activity Center. And it's all just like... It's all, it's all just kind of like little mini mini games and things hosted by Yoda, but it's, and this is something that that is consistent through all of the games of this type from this era uh, is that all the Star Wars characters have this very kind of bouncy, I would say almost endearing cartoon look to them, but all the droids are the harshest looking CGI you have ever seen. Oh god! So the droids and the organics look like they're coming from two separate universes, but. There's this sort of like the cover of the game. It has this painting of Yoda and Jar Jar Binks, and Yoda. They've tried to 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 draw Yoda with some warmth. It almost has like a pastel look, and he's kind of wagging his finger like, "Oh, be careful, you must." But in the oh, game, God. the animated Yoda looks like he stepped off of The Simpsons. <laughs> it, oh, it looks from like that almost weird Simpsons like a CGI breakaway thing from like one of the Halloween horrors. Yeah, exactly. It, it looks gotcha. exactly like that. The epi- the one with the leprechaun He's where Yoda the horizon line. Okay. 
Yeah, Yoda officiates a marriage. And yeah, it, it looks like Matt Groening was trying to draw Yoda. Oh my god. The other the other sort of weird design thing is one of the activities you can play with the cantina band. So it's a little cartoon of the cantina band and there's like wow. a xylophone and you can click click out notes and you're trying to create these musical sequences. There's this great like strung out Jawa in that scene, but there's this little alien like just hanging around that looks like Homestar Runner. Of course, hmm. why wouldn't there be? It's it's just this marshmallow shaped head with this weirdly articulated lower jaw. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that that's really something. Speaking of the weird aliens, uh, this wasn't a game, really, but it just had weird stuff in it. Uh, Brock, did you ever play this thing called Star Wars Behind the Magic? No. It, so this was like a multimedia CD on the original Star Wars trilogy, and they had the crappy black-and-white footage of what the original Cantina aliens looked like, and there were right. these horrifying David Lynchian like bunny puppets. Like it, it, it's just awful, and they had it's to, just like know, a basically... hissing radiator, but it's doing the cantina <laughs> song. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, it, a hissing radiator might have had more personality. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it so it had these aliens been in the movie, like nobody would have bought it. And uh, it, I mean, because that cantina scene is so legendary and effective um, right. that you know that they redid it was was absolutely the right move. It also has a weird mode in there where you can watch um i think princess leia on the catwalk in different princess leia outfits not great that's not the best <laughs> no i mean the, the 90s were a different time but even in the 90s i think uh yeah needless to say you know there was not like a, a prequel trilogy cd-rom that had the podme amidala catwalk mm. do you well, want to watch... talk about the video games more directly <laughs> Yes, I do. I do. We've been well. Well, you you mentioned the the catwalk, and this is something that we we discussed on In Trouble Again, our Star Wars Droids podcast. But connect Star Wars, which infamously yep. had the, oh, uh, the Star Wars sequences. dancing simulators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got a dance with Star with Wars song parodies <laughs> to Skrillex, I believe. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, I, I think the worst. Like parody on there instead of Christina Aguilera's genie in a bottle, it's rebel in a battle. I thought it was princess in a battle. Well, maybe princess in a battle. Excuse me. Yes. What a weird thing to yeah. fight over, gentlemen. <laughs> but then, then there's the 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 sort of YMCA. It's Empire Today. <sighs> the Han Solo song. Yeah, uh, I read somewhere George Lucas would play that with his kids, and I would love if there was some footage of that that leaked out of a, a plaid uh, shirt wearing George Lucas dancing to his Star Wars Connect and then getting well, tired. Well, could you imagine <laughs> how much money George Lucas could bring in if he did a charity live stream of himself playing Star Wars video games? Wow. Can you imagine yeah. what he could bring in doing literally anything? Just him and George R. R. Martin, like, uh, burping into each other's mouths, like, uh, and not uh, doing anything that anyone ever dreamed of. It's fine. You're listening to George and George, the podcast hosted oh, by shit, George they Lucas. they have the same name. Oh, that's so upsetting. Mm. No, I would listen to George and George. George and George is just about, like, two white guys avoiding their responsibilities for decades. Two, the, the two Georges. Yeah. 
Well, I'm a little, they they wanted me to write another one, and then I was like, no, I I don't want to write another one. I I own horses now. <laughs> like that's so, that's so, my imitation of both of them. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> so so digging deep into the past, I found a a real like obscurity from 1983. Uh, the uh, Star Wars Jedi Arena for the Atari 2600. Have you heard of this one? I have, yes. Yes, yeah. This this one is almost like a, a sports game, almost. Well, well yeah, because like, I believe you play it with, the, with the, the paddle with the knob that you would use to play Pong, but it's just like two stationary lightsabers, and each player wiggles their lightsaber back and forth trying to dodge lightning strikes from a training drone. Right. And I'm looking at this little animation of how, like how it plays out. Like it, it looks like the animation makes it look kind of charming, but I bet it is frustrating as hell to play. Well, that's that's one of the interesting parts about this is that like a you know, Star Wars lines with this like early version of uh, gaming, and like we've looked at a lot of uh, some of these very early, especially mid '80s versions of the games, and they are just games that took a single sequence from some movie. It's, uh, you know, episode five, and it's just the snow speeders versus whatever, and it's just the one attack. Or it is this thing where it's just the training droid versus whatever. They could basically put together, like, 24 kilobits, which is, like, Mm. not enough to even put in sound. And they're like, I don't know. I, I just tried to make something functional out of a single scene of a movie. Which is is wild uh, in terms of like going back to play them now. Some of them are still pretty fun. Like they are a single sequence from a movie, which is uh, lunatic stuff. And of course, at the time, it definitely sold like because video games have never changed in price. They were definitely like sixty dollars a cartridge, and some some asshole was like, "Oh my god, I get to like uh, get killed by this training laser droid." But like at home, <laughs> oh my god! Like, can I give you a hundred? It doesn't matter. Like, games are always going to be games in that way. That like the 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 scale of them every like couple of decades, you look back and you're like, the fuck were we even wasting time on that for? Uh, but like, people got really interesting breaks doing this, and it was mostly all like single person like games doing this, and they were tasked with like, I don't know, do something from this, and so like a lot of them like made personal choices to be like. Okay, so that that's the scene I'm going to make, which is really fascinating to me because, like, now it would be like, you guys have to make, you know, it's, you know, the the racer sequence from episode one, and you have to make a whole game about that. And, of course, that happened multiple times now, I guess. Uh, but, like, very early on in, like, 83, 84, it was like, you have to find a way to represent uh, the assault on this rebel base in a way that is fun for players to replay for hundreds of hours, but you can use, like, 19 pixels. Can you pull that off? And what what a lot of them came up with is, like, fascinating and good and kind of stands the test of time in a very basic gamic way, which is fascinating. Like, Star Wars, yeah, I... Star Wars becomes this sort of, like, litmus test in the same way. It, not even litmus test. Like, when you cut down a tree and you see the rings of the tree... Star Wars is that. You're like, okay, but like, what about these smaller early rings? And like, well, some of those rings fucking count and they actually like matter and like uh, contribute to now. Like, it, it, more of them do 
than do not, and that's that's kind of shocking. <laughs> and, and I guess Star Wars is one of the only movie franchises that continually had games made for it throughout the different systems over the years. Um, you know, even when there was no movies, you had Star Wars video games. You had that big dry spell between 83 and 99, between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, and you still had all sorts of uh, crazy games that, that came out and stuff that may be loosely tied into a home video release, but mainly as the systems got more complicated, you could represent the movies or even do original stories uh, in an interesting way. Um, and then you get these these weird spinoffs where they try to capitalize on a popular genre but make it Star Wars. Uh, I'm thinking of Star Wars Demolition, which was like Star Wars I can't believe you metal. brought that one up. Of course. Why not? <laughs> on, on the PlayStation <laughs> 1. And, I mean, you do have vehicles are a big part of the appeal of Star Wars. And uh, why people don't talk about this one when they bag on Masters of Terrace Kasi. I mean, that one's not... The fighting game's not good either. But I find Demolition to be more interesting because... It, that, that's really out of left field. Like a fighting game, sure, you could make that work with almost any property. But a vehicular arena combat game is so specific of a thing to rip off. There are there are very few IPs that uh, that people cared enough about to manage, but also uh, then also gave up enough shits to not manage in a way that that were like Star Wars. It's basically Star Wars, Mario, and a couple of other things where they're like, by the way, I don't know, make like a fighting game. If you want to make like a kart racer, just fucking knock yourselves out with this. Like no one's doing anything with it right now. So we get a, there's like a, a decade here of what you're talking about where like it's between movies. No one's doing anything with the IP. And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. If you have an idea, knock yourself out because it will print money because it says Luke Skywalker on it. Uh, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> and then they start reeling it back in as as most other IPs did around the same time when they realized, like, oh, uh, we can burn out fans on all this. And you know what shocks me is with all the different genres Star Wars has manifested in in terms of video games – Ironically enough, we never got a LucasArts-style adventure game set in Star Wars. The number of times that it started that I've read about that, like, it, yeah, they were like, we've got this, and then, like, it just uh, it fell apart internally. Or the, that it was the sort of thing that, like, for outside of everything else, that was the one that, like, had eyes on it and pressure and everything just crumbled under it. Like, that's... That's hmm. the one because, like, uh, if you if you look at the LucasArts like series and what they did, like, uh, they did some fucking incredible Indiana Jones games and, and a lot of mm -hmm. things with their other IPs. Uh, and I didn't even know about the Indiana Jones games until a couple of years ago, where I was like, "Wait, hold on! They did all this, but like, they didn't do yeah." The Star Wars stuff just like kept getting started and kept falling by the wayside, and that is. Um, uh, traditionally, for anybody that will follow the 40-year arc here, Star Wars stuff that ha like shoots for something better almost always falls apart because uh, it'll do a year or two of production and it's still happening now. Uh, people will be like, we've, we've got our hearts set on the stars uh, and then somebody will come in and be like, ah, it's just, uh, 
it's just too much. Let's not do this. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, unreleased Star Wars games, I, I don't think it got much past the prototyping stage, but this was in the, the early to mid-90s when uh, on the computer on the home computers, golf games were popular. So this would have been Star Wars Golf. You're fucking kidding me. Really? <laughs> no. Yep. That was under consideration. Golf Vader? Uh, something like that, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've never seen artwork for it. I, I've seen interviews where a developer talked about it as being something floated. Like, that's pretty ridiculous. On the other hand, you know, stuff uh, we did get. I mean, you talk about something that shoots for the stars, and then they screw it up in the process of that. There was right. one uh, on the computer called Star Wars Force Commander. Yes. Uh, right? Originally, they had a nearly finished version um, why you remember all this shit I read from like PC Gamer 30 years ago? I have no idea, but sure. anyhow, yeah, uh, we we all do. It's all burned into us. We know that's right because it, because it was a promise that was made to us that was never fulfilled, and we're still mad yeah. about it now in 2019. I get it. Right, I have a big uh, mouse ball shaped hole in my head uh, <laughs> from all the concentration. But yeah, I mean, so originally the game w- was almost completed, real time strategy, just looking like Command and Conquer. And then 3D graphics cards started taking off. And uh, they said, you know what? We're going to scrap, keep the game design, but make it in 3D graphics. And the way you play it, it doesn't even feel like a game. It feels like you're rendering graphics in 3D Studio Max or or Maya or something. And it's not fun at all. You're not really making, you have a limited amount of units. You're trying to capture control points. And even worse, it's set during the original trilogy. Um, Command and Conquer or StarCraft or any of those games, you can usually play as the good guys or the bad guys. Right. But in this, in the, there's one campaign. In the beginning, you play as the Imperials, and then you defect as the Rebels halfway through. Okay. Which it makes it frustrating for either party, because you don't get to see your story to the end. Or if there's one side you like, then you got to play as people you hate to finish the game. just ludicrous <laughs> that was such a bummer that was such an interesting story that ended with a bummer and i really want to play it uh, if you can find it the one thing i recommend is uh the music is like uh star wars ripping off command and conquer so it sounds delightfully <laughs> like uh grimy 90s techno oh yeah i want to dance to that in a club oh my god uh-huh yeah you have the the version of the Imperial March with like fuzzy bass guitar. Oh, give it to me! Yes, <laughs> and gears oh grinding. It's it's really quite something. Um, Holy I shit! Just, I just want to hear C three PO going. I'm a mechanical man. <laughs> mechanical man. Mechanical man. <laughs> oh boy. So another one of these kids' activity games I want to point out just because of the <laughs> absurd premise of it. Yeah, sure. it's called. It's called Star Wars Math, Jabba's Game Galaxy. So, you know, if you want to teach your kids math, you want them learning it from a murderous crime lord. <laughs> and like, the, the framing device is actually kind of solid. You're, you're a starfighter pilot. Your ship crashes on Tatooine, so you need to get money so that Watto will repair it, so you go to gamble in Jabba's casino. But it's just this, like, CGI Jabba who speaks in English and teaches you how to play games. And it's all just, like, like you know, 
different variations of, of checkers and, 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 and different basic card games that I guess ostensibly are teaching you some level of math, although the clips I saw of it being played did not make it clear what math Here, skills should be learned. Here's what we've got to circle back to. Tell me what Java speaking English is, because that's not a mm. thing. I mean, no, it is like it is. It's it's like the Java voice, but you know he's giving you instructions. So it's Java oh, even giving a tutorial. Tables, that's fucking <laughs> ludicrous, my man. Uh, oh my god! Click <laughs> on your monster and then have it capture the other monster. You scored two points. <laughs> so it's, it's just like a Shakespearean actor, uh, really, just giving it fucking up. Okay, okay. <laughs> And, and that's actually something that, that cropped out on all of these like uh, kids' educational games. I do like that they're still kind of loyal to the Star Wars actors because the guy who voices Watto in this game is the voice of Watto from the movie. And like there was a there's an Anakin Pod Racer challenge game. Oh, Greg God. Proops does the voice of Fode in that. Oh, the the announcer! Wow, they got yeah. Proops. Mm. <laughs> that's my favorite <laughs> Star Wars line. They got Proops. <laughs> that's that's when I know it's for reals. <laughs> well, I know he's like he. I believe I believe he has played Fode in the movies, in several video games, and in two of the animated series. Good on him. Also, one, once you've had like a small like Star Wars role, when they come back and ask if you want to do anything else, you obviously say yes. Like, who gives a shit? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right, um, but I know I would. There's just so many on this list. It's so overwhelming. Just like it, a, a it mountain of is. shit. And um, gee, oh, there, there's one that that's jumping out to me. I think I, I showed you the the picture on Twitter, Brock. That this is a Star Wars: The New Droid Army. It's yes. a Attack of the Clones Game Boy Advance game where it's isometric. Because uh, it's yes. Game Boy Advance, people look like stick figures, and and part of it's kind of like an adventure game. You're running around Tatooine, getting like uh, items to people to advance the storyline. But it, it's not the Attack of the Clones storyline. It just happens to feature the same characters, and um, it, it's the point of view on such a small Game Boy Advance screen is just so unappealing, and it makes all the combat just not work at all. It feels like you're playing a really bad version of Diablo, right? Um, and on the, the German copy of the game on the back, it says, like, visit different planets. And it shows a picture of <laughs> Jedi in a corridor. <laughs> I love the tagline, you can go other places. You could go somewhere that is not Yeah, you can game. go other places. That's what I can offer to you. That's right. <laughs> um, oh, I want to uh, talk about... So this is this is a great game that... Star Wars did not improve. I want to talk about the old Star Wars chess. Oh, no. Oh, shit. That's, okay. It's like the Have battle chess ripoff. Okay. Yeah, because it is, it is just chess. Like, they don't do anything to enhance it. There's no alternate mode where you can play crazy monster chess, like on the Millennium Falcon, which I'm still shocked isn't a game even to this day. That's, That's begging true. to be made into a game. Which, um, to... To a, a, a listener that is of an age a few years under us, uh, there was a game called Battle Chess, or Battle Chess <laughs> 2000, which is one of the first like games that most of us can remember as games, that uh, probably like uh, 
3.5 discs, but maybe if you're lucky, CD-ROM. And basically it was just chess, but when the uh, the pieces met each other, they did violent battle, uh, and there'd be like a, a, a kind of dark murder thing. And so it was like, oh shit, this chess is for real. Because like uh, the queen made the horsey guy disappear into like a pit of spikes fucking cool chess is cool so then like star wars came along and tried to do the same thing and that's one of the things that like that i really find holds it back because it is fun playing star chess with star wars themed pieces and of course you got the rebels on one side the empire on the other the problem is anytime a piece you know captures another we then have to see we have to see either our favorite heroes getting graphically murdered or committing an act of very graphic murder right not just that, the perspective of all those battle chef, chess uh, knockoffs is um, such that you cannot really see easily where the pieces are or where they're moving, because you can't rotate in 3D. Oh, that's true. Sure. So, um, the one of, it's not a Star Wars game, but the one of those stupid chess knockoffs that I've been wanting to track down is this one that looks absolutely horrific called, like, National Lampoon's Chess Master 9001. No, 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 Used to have it, I, you know what, I'll look around, I might still have it at my parents' house. At Thanksgiving, okay. I will see if I can find it for you. Very good. I, that has to be, just looking at the box was painful enough, I cannot imagine what it was like. No, I believe you can go online and, and watch all the various character deaths. Uh, right. So if if of you want to spend ten minutes yeah, watching yeah, I, I Star Wars should. characters brutalized, look that up. I should do that. Well, Brock, what are some uh, some bad Star Wars games you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered yet? Let's let's plow through a quick list of like the goods and the bads. Um, yep. So uh, if you are new to all the Star Wars games, here's a quick rundown. Uh, there are the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. They are uh, flying battle games out in space, and they're both f- fucking incredible for being in 1993, 1994. Uh, the interesting thing about TIE Fighter, like X-Wing, obviously you're part of the Rebel Alliance, but TIE Fighter, which is basically the same game, slightly improved uh, from a year later, is that you're a part of the empire and you're, you're coming up in the empire. And as like a kid playing, this was the first time I, I ever remember playing a game where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I know I'm the bad guys, but like the bad guys think that they're the good guys. Cause like you were just constantly doing stuff thinking you were the good guys. And like, it really like cuts the cheese on that in terms of like, you never like technically kill any good people. And like very quickly it goes from you, like trying to bring down rebels to you, you know, trying to stop some sort of civil war within the empire. And then like a a rebellion within your own people. So like, you're never technically killing good people, but like it is very much from the perspective of like, congratulations to you, bad guy that we know is the bad guy. Uh, uh, then there's the Jedi Knight series, uh, Star Wars Dark Forces came out in 95 and it was like a year or two after Doom. Uh, And a lot of people think it was built on the same engine as Doom. It isn't, but it plays a lot in the same way. Uh, And it is one of those things that like, it is the very first game that I ever built a map for and like tried to put up online back when the internet first came out. Um, Nice. It is 
it it is one of the, it is the first thing in like games that I think a lot of us think too and go like, oh, that was immersive in this way because uh, as soon as you were in it, you were like, I feel like I am on the Death Star or wherever this is because it used a lot of the uh, licensed sound effects. It used a lot of the same people, but it also uh, had like level design that was like instead of just like in. It was the same thing in, like, how Doom was, like, you need to find a yellow key card. Dark Forces were, like, you have to find a yellow key card, but it's, uh, like, this guy from the Empire has it, and you've got to, like, figure out some puzzles to get there, and, like, it really, like, cut through in a way. But also, it was a game where you were a hero that lived in Star Wars universe, but you didn't have force powers. You were just, like, this guy, which made it really cool. Uh, and then the, the next game in the series... Uh, is that you've got, you're the same guy, but you've got force powers now, and by that time, the technology caught up in a way that it fucking rules. So you have, like, lightsabers, and you can start to put points into either light side force stuff or dark side force stuff, and it's one of the first games that I remember being like, oh, it's giving you choices, and, like, you can really do stuff because, like, I want to be good, but also I want force lightning. I want to be able to, like, shoot lightning into everyone I say. And so that's kind of cool in that way. Uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer has been re-released onto all the PC platforms and everything. Uh, back when it first came out on like Nintendo 64, I was like, well, am I playing this weird uh, racer game? This feels dumb. Uh, it is a great game. It remains a great game. Uh, it's up there with Mario Kart in this sort of way that like, if you're playing it right and having fun, it's still so much fun. Uh, and this sort of brings us to 2003, 2005, which is the Knights of the Old Republic, which uh, my podcast co-partner Alex Kane uh, just wrote a boss fight books about. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is basically like Mass Effect, long before Mass Effect came out, and it's set in the Star Wars universe. And in the Star Wars universe of a thousand years before everything happened in Star Wars, and it's so goddamn good. And, like, I didn't play it for so long, and I was like, ah, my friend wrote a book, I should finally play it. Oh, my God, it's so good. Every part of it is so good, and you can play it. It's on literally every platform now, uh, so that's there. Uh, the thing that we should all talk about that I think we can all agree on is Star Wars Battlefront, because uh, the Battlefront series was a series of, like, shooter army games, and uh, they're fine. Star Wars Battlefront does the same thing, but it just sets it in the Star Wars universe, and it's great. So in Star Wars Battlefront, you're just one of the boys. You're one of, like, the uh, the Imperial forces. You're just, like, a stormtrooper, or you're just one of the rebel guys. And it's you versus hundreds of people on the other side. You fight. You try to get as many kills as you can. When you die, you respawn. You come back, and you keep just fighting. Uh, and from the start, this series has just been impossibly fun. It is always so goddamn fun. And they've rebooted it now twice, uh, and it gets finer each time. It's, it's always different, and, and more things happen. And, like, the last round of it I bailed on because it was like, oh, there's microtransactions and stuff. And I was like, nah, I'm still good with my 2005 version of it. That's... That's absolutely fine. Uh, but it is, it, I, I think in terms of everything that we have to talk about, like, there's stuff that's bad that we could, like, harp on. The Star Wars Battlefront games are maybe the best thing that Star Wars 
has to bring to video games, which is just that, like, it lives in the universe. Uh, you don't have to be anyone in particular. You can power up and become Darth Vader for a little bit or, or several other people, but it doesn't matter. It's just that you, like, live in that space, and that's what's most important. And that's... Um, that is, I think, why everyone loves it so much. It's like, I don't know. Uh, I can play all these other games where I'm the hero. The one where I'm just random stormtroopers that keep dying, that's the one that's the most fun to me. And that's how I live. <laughs> yeah, something good about the Battlefront games is, just like you said, that you're just a, a trooper on the ground. You get to, I think, use your imagination a lot. And, and for me, it just reminds me of playing with toys as a kid. In that, yes. because it, it's not a character that you know, it, you know they can be whatever you want. They can, I don't know, be someone that sold Luke Skywalker a toothbrush one day, or or, or whatever the <laughs> hell you want. And it's that, that sense of imagination, the playfulness, the the making it kind of hard uh, in the big matches to play as a hero. You have to kill enough people and earn enough points to do so. So it right. makes it special when you do become a hero. Um, I, I have stuck with the, the latest Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, on the PlayStation 4, and, and they got rid of some of the microtransactions but introduced some other ones. It's, I think when all that is said and done, um, it'll be an interesting case study on what not to do because the way they reversed course uh, after so many right. people complained it was really interesting. Uh, on top of that, when they were not even doing review copies, but sending out streamers and stuff to a, to an event. Uh, at that event, they had, they were making, uh, from what I understand, uh, from my research, uh, streamers had to basically sign a thing saying that they would, you know, give this a positive write-up or not be too critical about well, it. That and they sucks. were given, no. yeah, and they were given a version of the game uh, that they played multiplayer, you know, in the whatever the EA offices. Um, where all the characters were unlocked, all, all the upgrade cards were unlocked. Huh. But when the actual game came out, most of that, as you mentioned, was, was uh, behind the gates. Like, to, uh, to play as Darth Vader, you would have to play the game for about 15 hours to get enough points. Right. Uh, which is not what they, they sent the people to do at the preview event, um, which is a bit underhanded. So I, I think as a cape, but I think now that Battlefront 2 is super cheap, uh, they still they're coming out with new content for it, not a lot, but but some, uh, and they have a really fun mode called Ewok Hunt. Um, <laughs> for, have you heard of this, Brock? No. No. Okay, so I'll be quick. Uh, so Ewok Hunt takes place on the forest moon of Endor, uh, as you might imagine, and uh, the idea is, let's say it's like 20 people playing for sake of argument. One out of those 20 is an Ewok. The other ones are stormtroopers. Or no, it's 20 Ewoks and 20 stormtroopers. That's it. And when an Ewok kills a stormtrooper, the stormtrooper becomes an Ewok when he's resurrected. And it's at night, <laughs> and Ewoks have night vision, and they can play their little horn and let loose the little fairies from the Ewok cartoon. And so they have a, a very uh, Ewok-centric skill set. And it almost feels like a horror movie in some ways, with the lighting, and if you're playing with a good set of headphones or a good speaker system, you can start kind of freaking yourself out. Wait, is that the Ewok horn? Oh no, they, they got a I feel a like boost. this is what the game Evolve and the Friday the 13th game were. Yeah, yeah, this is very sort of, horror yeah, yeah. centric. Yeah, asymmetrical horror multiplayer mm -hmm. experience and, featuring Ewoks 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not? It, it actually works. Like it, and it. Thankfully, you know, it ends pretty quickly, but it it, it never stops being funny to me, playing as Ewoks with your shitty little spears, like sneaking up and trying to stab these stormtroopers <laughs> in the ankles. <laughs> Yub, yub, indeed. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a weird place to end. <laughs> yes, what a weird place to end. Uh, well, Brock, if people want to find your work, where can they uh, find you at online? Oh, I'm at Brock Wilbur on Twitter and all the other places. Uh, as aforementioned, I uh, have a book coming out on Boss Fight Books about um, the guy, Yuva Bull, that we all just love and appreciate mm-hmm. uh and uh of course uh the video game postal um where can people support you um well, the website for the podcast is sequelcast2.com uh if you go on amazon i just came out with the book the films of uve bowl volume one the video game movies um so i got to write about the postal movie for that uh i, I should go back and play those postal games some more because they're all quite different from each other in terms of how they play you you uh, and you and i will do that together for another show this yeah this will be a fun exchange of things it'll be okay uh, sure it'll be good i yeah, have that, that, i have a lot that, of yuva stories to share with you from the side of the postal people uh that you'll just fucking love so excellent yeah looking forward to it i um i've only had the chance to interview uve once and I've been working on a RPG for him for the past year um, oh my that, God. that I can't really talk about. But so look, look forward to that. It's based on an unproduced script for what would have been Postal 2. For his version of that? Yes. Fuck. Okay, we got to talk as soon as we're done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that uh, on Twitter at M-A-T-W-B-T and Thrasher. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. Excellent. And um, also look forward to, uh, if you go to SequelCast2.com and uh, subscribe to us uh, you know, on Apple Podcasts, whatever your favorite app is, we are doing a, uh, have a new podcast coming out on this feed called Sierra Quest 2 Adventure Game is Human. Looking at the Sierra Online Adventure Games one by one from the very beginning with Mystery House. Oh, fuck. You guys are doing that. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, so, yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. I think we're going to try to do like one or two games a month. I don't know if we'll ever finish it because they did so many, but I, I just like the idea of seeing the evolution of that stuff over time because it, it, really, uh, it really changed a lot and that you could charge that much for a, a game like mystery house which i think yes. my dog could draw better illustrations um it, it is really quite something but you have to be in the mind of when it came out and so forth so yeah i i, I shopped a book around about the same thing for like half a year but also i just want to talk about space quest until i die so whatever you nice. want i'm here for <laughs> absolutely thank you so much brock this was a, a lot of fun i have to do this again sometimes as you said okay great <laughs>